0: Welcome back to the program. Uh, Father Lewis is with me here, and he is going to lead us in a scripture reading and a prayer.
1: On the occasion of our broadcast today, the Feast of St. Stephen in the uh, octave of Christmas, there's a selection from the Acts of the Apostles uh, recounting his uh, martyrdom that that we'll read today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out in a loud voice covered their ears and rushed upon him together they threw him out of the city and began to stone him the witnesses laid down their cloaks at the feet of a young man named saul as they were stoning stephen he called out lord jesus receive my spirit almighty god we ask that your son jesus christ born for us on christmas day would receive our spirits as well that we may surrender ourselves entirely to him and to your will for our lives as we serve your greater glory for the salvation of souls. And we ask this in all your blessings, in your most holy name, and through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Father Lewis. So, Father Lewis, I've got like about 25 things to talk to you about today. So. We'll get through Ooh, two of them, huh? I know, really. <laughs> Actually, I'm trying to figure out, do I start with movies, or do I start with the cold, cold weather, <laughs> or do I start with a flu, or what do I... Uh, or do I start with uh, confirmation? I'll give you four topics to start with, okay? Uh, so where do you want to begin? So well, I'm, You have no I'm, idea
1: where we're going with any of them, so this is good. <laughs> I'm cold right now. Maybe we should start with that and get it over with. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? I, don't, I grew up in Spokane. I don't remember it being this cold in Spokane. Um, I, I'm sure it's happened, but I don't remember it. This is cold. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, we were at an event last night and got in the car. And the car has a little, uh, you know, reading, so it'll read the temperature outside. It was three below. Yeah, yeah. So
1: when I ride this morning, it was two below. <laughs> so it hasn't improved much.
0: Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Wow, it was two below uh, at down where you were up at up, up here. You? Up here. Okay. At the house. Well, and that was what happened was uh, it was zero degrees at the bottom of the hill, yeah. and by the time we got to the top, it was two below. So two degrees colder. Yeah, it is freezing. Yeah. I had to actually go out to the car last night when we got back from our event because, God forbid, I left my phone in the car. (laughs) And, and, you know, I just can't be anywhere without that phone. It it took me about 20 seconds to realize I didn't have it near me, so I was getting nervous and twitchy. (laughs) That's a joke, folks. But uh, I went back out to the car, and and all I could think of was, what would it be like to be homeless, Uh you know, tonight, right? Um, And I don't know how people would... Survive in in this would, yeah. in this kind of weather. It made me think there has to be a way to come up with better technology to have some kind of like electric gloves, like warmers. I, I think they are my kids are telling me there are some, but mm-hmm. I think they're like for skiers. Okay, but you have to be able to. Hey, folks, entrepreneurial folks out there, you've got to be able to design a like a, just a small form fitting uh, glove that. To keep the fingers warm because i guess if your fingers and toes are warm that does quite a bit to help you not like be impacted as much by the cold i don't know hmm. did you hear that
1: i haven't heard that no yeah the only thing i can think of that's a technology like that is these uh that they're packets like um oh, for... like you know they're, they're warmers i guess and they're coming to gel in a plastic thing and you kind of squeeze them and then they Work once and then they're done, but right. I don't know, it's about it's an some kind hose. of like
0: sand. It's I don't know. I don't think it's yeah. a gel. I, I well, think well, it's something about a plastic. Sand my kids thing. would use them for soccer. Okay. Yeah, they would because uh, you know in, uh, here, in the, here in the Great Northwest, you play you play soccer year round, uh-huh. and so the kids would. I, some of my kids would resist it. Like I'd just say, look, just carry them around in your hands, right? Because it'll keep your hands warm when you're running around out there. But um, and then skiing is another use. Okay. So those hand warmers, and they'll just slide them in the glove to keep their hand warm. But it's 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 kind of like a it's kind of like a big piece of gum. Okay. You know, it's kind of a rectangular kind of thing. So oh, okay. it doesn't really get to the fingers, I don't think. But uh. um, so we need some entrepreneurs out there to come up with a, a simple solution for hand warming gloves. Yeah. We have electric blankets.
1: Gloves. I think it's about time we have electric gloves. Come on, socks. let's go. Yeah. Let's
0: go. But it. Again, just to say, it doesn't it make it a little more sensitized to taking for granted? Like, Kerry was saying, well, what happened if our electricity went out? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, you're right. I mean, what would people do? Mm-hmm. What if it went out for a week, mm-hmm. right? What would happen to people? Mm-hmm. Just to realize how vulnerable we are in mm-hmm. the cold. So, folks, have a sense of saying a prayer for those who lack basic necessities in life or who are struggling even to be able to say, I can't afford to pay my electric bill, Yeah. right? Yeah. So, God bless us.
1: Our uh, St. Vincent de Paul ministry at the parish has, uh, as we can imagine, experienced an influx of uh, calls for utilities assistance, uh, precisely, I'm sure, because of the cold. And so, um, thank goodness for our parishioners who are very generous in giving for that important ministry.
0: That's great. Well, Kerry was actually talking. We had a little family meeting before you and I got together here. We're going to have a life goals meeting. We'll talk about that later, uh, but... um, one of the things that the Carrie um, has done as a custom with the girls is they do a girls' event. So all the girls go out. And one of the things they've done for years is they get their, like, a manicure, pedicure type, type of thing. Mm. So they were scheduling that for today. And a couple of my, my girls, my girls in their 20s, <laughs> are, are saying, that seems like a waste of money. Can't we do something better with that money? like help a poor family yeah. I, that was a really sweet Good sweet idea yeah. and um, and so there was just like oh let's call uh, let's call Susie and figure out what because isn't there like a list of things or, or was it Katie or someone on your staff was saying here are a list of things that you can do that to be helpful yeah. to families on Christmas uh, or during yeah is this still at, well it's Christmas now Merry yeah. Christmas yeah. right when we're recording this on Friday so um, anyways just uh, so, But they're going to do that. They're going to go do their, it was like, well, let's make a memory and let's continue to do this. But also, some of them are going to save the money and forego it and then do something good with the money instead, okay. but still participate yeah. by being present. Yeah, well, so good for them. There you go. Yeah. All right, well, what's next on our list, Father, after we've done the cold?
1: Well, you said the flu. The flu. Did you get the flu? I I'm, I got I've hammered. Been...
0: Oh. I got hammered. Well, and I had low-level flu since before Thanksgiving. Oh, my god. That's gosh. a month. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, last Friday night, it decided to say, I'm done being low-level. I'm going to get high-level. Oh, no. And I was delirious Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then finally started climbing out of it Wednesday. Oh,
1: wow.
0: Um, It was terrible. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you hear about that. You hear about people having a a really hard time right, with the flu. It's really clinging on. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, here's... Here's here's where I want to go with that, and that is that um, one of the very traditional ways of talking about sin is that it's a spiritual disease, Mm -hmm. right? And so sin is a spiritual disease. One of the natural ways then of reflecting on the impacts of sin is to be thinking about it in terms of a sickness, Mm -hmm. and you know, reflect on the time, Father, when you've been sick with like a a bad flu, Mm -hmm. right, or something like that. How do you feel? Pretty cruddy. Yeah. (laughs) And and to think that there are people who are walking around spiritually sick, like mm-hmm. with a spiritual spiritual COVID, mm-hmm. spiritual flu, serious serious spiritual sickness. And I think that there are ways in which we don't realize the negative effects, even existential effects mm-hmm. of sin. Mm-hmm. And so I'll I'll kind of toss it to you right there and just say have you have, have you thought about that like just about that idea that when people are spiritually sick it affects their lives even when they don't realize yeah. that negative things that they're experiencing day to day are actually traced back to a spiritual
1: cause. Mhm. Well, you know, kind of going back to the physical ailments uh, analogy, I, it would be it might be hard for folks to connect it when you're talking about the flu because our normal um, state of health is that we don 't have the flu and then um, and then when we get the flu, we recognize that we are less than we ought to be uh, with sin less so if we 've developed a habit towards sin that 'd be like if we have some kind of physical ailment that we 've just learned to live with, and we've we 've lost sense of like life could be a whole lot better if this could just somehow be fixed, some kind of simple surgery or whatever. An example of that is um, you know about uh, eight years ago, I think it was now I needed um, Uh, A back surgery and prior to that I was I was just I thought it was some kind of pulled muscle or something in my my lower back and just trying to learn to live with it and didn't even recognize that I was getting a a symptom as I guess you might call it called drop foot where the nerve is so damaged you can't control the smooth stepping of your foot and I didn't even notice it so I was like living with this and it took an outsider perspective i.e. my doctor to say this is bad this is serious And so I might be living in a state of sin and not even know that it's really impacting my life in all kinds of ways, but I've just kind of quote-unquote learned to live with it, but it might take an outside perspective, i.e. someone uh, of a a profound spiritual health, a priest or a sister or whomever, to say, there's something wrong here, and to try to to tell them and show them that there is a better, healthier way. Well, and
0: let's play that out. How often do you hear someone say, I had this spiritual awakening? Like at a retreat. I had a renewal of my faith. I right. had uh, I came back to God. Mm-hmm. I just earlier today I was talking to someone on the phone who said I had this profound encounter with God just before Thanksgiving and I got whooped. I got whomped on mm-hmm. was the was the phrase. And there was this like new sense of verve and vitality and a sense of life. And maybe that's an example of we don't realize just how much we're held down in what we just expect to have been. Well, this is what life is. Right. Well, no, it's not. This is what life is when we allow sin to inhabit that part of our, our thinking, a part of our attitudes, that part of our relationships. No, it doesn't have to be
1: like that. Right, right. You know, an example of that uh, and that I've experienced just recently is I have got one of our Spokane seminarians living with me for part of his Christmas break, and I had him introduce himself. And he's to definitely the trapped
0: in sin and just stuck oh, in sin, filth, Negative and all this. I know. <laughs> Sorry, but, <laughs> that was too easy. That was way
1: too easy. <laughs> but he uh, he gets up to introduce himself uh, at the end of Mass, um, and he kind of gave a bit of his, basically not just the the platitudes of here's who I am and where I'm from, all this, but he basically went right to giving a three minute presentation of his personal testimony and his encounter with Christ and it began when he was a student at WSU and And he was your stereotypical Catholic, uh, a lukewarm Catholic. Yeah, I go to Mass on Sunday, but that's about it. But he talked about how he had an encounter with the Lord in the Eucharist at a a focus seat conference that changed his life. And when he finished college, he gave up going to medical school to become a focus missionary. And discerning what comes next, he discerned, I think I'm being called to the priesthood. But he pinpointed, it goes right back to that moment when he knew, adoring the Lord in the Eucharist, that that's a person, and that person is Jesus and so he had an encounter with the divine physician and it like transformed his life and he shared that with the parishioners.
0: I love that. And it transformed his life, right? He yeah. went from confusion to clarity. Mm-hmm. He went from darkness to peace. He went from a sense of flatness to vibrancy, mm-hmm. right? In his faith. Boy, aren't those great words? Yeah. Who wants peace, clarity and vibrancy, you know, a vibrant life of faith? Mm-hmm. Well, that's your inheritance, brothers and sisters. This is what the Lord intends for you. If that that that's the standard, right? Yeah. That's the that should be our status quo. And if we are not experiencing that, then maybe in fact we're lingering with a spiritual flu, a yeah. spiritual illness. And folks, you know how tired, lethargic, how little energy you have, how uh, there's a sense of being bothered by little things, and how you can't uh you don't you, you don't have the ability to to function normally right just really pay attention to that and say wait a minute is this my spiritual condition and have i just settled for it or in fact is there more that god has for me that in fact that more is not something extraordinary to add on but it's just recovering what i've lost right it's mm-hmm. uh, this isn't This isn't something that's exceptional. What's exceptional is when we're spiritually lethargic. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's a reversal. Yeah. (laughs) So I think about that um, when I think about sloth in particular, right? So that's kind of what I'm picking on. You're
1: nodding your head. Oh Well, yeah, sloth. uh, I don't generally tend to fall for that sin. Uh, You know, the list of deadly sins, I... I don't generally go for slothfulness, but I think because it's rare compared to other of the chief sins in, in my life, that'd be like me getting the flu. I don't, I don't get it, but when I do, I feel it, and it's like something is off here, and mm-hmm. I need to correct it immediately, or or ask the Lord to correct it. I know? like
0: that because what you just said was, when we do fall into a sin or a sinful attitude, we should have a sense of awareness of it. We yeah. should have a sense of consciousness of the fact that, wait a minute, something's not right in my relationship with the Lord. But that only happens if we're nurturing our own relationship with the the Lord. Yeah. So, well, this is Tom Curran. I'm with Father Jeff Lewis. He's the pastor of St. Mary in Spokane Valley. And uh, we say Merry Christmas to you on the octave of Christmas. This is day two, Mm. right, of the octave of Christmas wonder what an octave is, Father. I know I'm kind of using a big kind of liturgical term there. Uh, and we're up against a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about the number 13. A couple times, the number 13. And uh, you have no idea what we we're referring to here. But Father, you'll find out in a minute. Please stay tuned. We'll be back. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran. And you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kernan with Father Jeff Lewis. And we are reflecting on, well, stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Just stuff happening right now. And um, we're finishing up a reflection on the idea that sin is like a spiritual disease. And with when you are experiencing the flu yourself or those around you have the flu, pay attention to that and then stop and ask, what would that look like in my spiritual life? I mentioned sloth only because... It is, I think, a very common thing for the typical Catholic to feel a sense of resistance or reluctance to engage in spiritual things, Mm -hmm. right? There aren't that many people who saying, yeah, all right, let's go. Why do we only get to pray one rosary tonight? (laughs) Why can't we pray all four sets of mysteries? This isn't fair, Mm -hmm. right? So... Uh, that, that idea of having um, a desire for, a, a longing to engage in spiritual activities, whether it's quiet time, spiritual reading, journaling, uh, family prayer, the rosary, or going to Mass, mm-hmm. right? That why is, it so, why is it drudgery when we're talking about coming into contact with the, the God who created all things, loves us, and wants to show us mercy? I mean, mm-hmm. hello, what is right. that all about
1: we're like slogged down into the, the things of earth and, you know what is you know what is spiritual sloth for me when i experience it it feels like it's just it's just plodding it's just uh, you know with d's not t's plodding along just uh, lumbering along trying to just put one foot in front of the other on this pilgrimage you know path of pilgrimage and and, and I'm resisting it and fighting it every way. The reason why I'm going so slow and why it's so heavy is because I don't, you know, I'm like spiritually sulking. I don't want to. And um, but my, So the my, yeah, whole attitude has been covered. Um, like if I'm physically sick, if I'm if I'm ill with the flu, man, I, it, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. I can't be bothered with the noise of the other people around me or whatever. Just leave me alone. And, uh, you know, spiritual sloth uh, kind of does that to me. I can't be bothered with these holy things. I just want to like sit here and sulk.
0: (laughs) Well, and I think that, uh, let's talk about this key. I think that one of the keys in that situation is recognizing that we all have to die die to ourselves. Don't be caught off guard. Mm -hmm. Don't be surprised. In fact, smile and say, oh, there it is again. I have to die to myself. Mm -hmm. Time to die to myself. And, oh, oh, look at that. There's the flesh inside of me that's resisting doing this spiritual activity. So, don't, let your decision, your will be determined by your emotions, your appetites, okay. right. right? No, expect the resistance at the level of the appetites and do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Press through and just say, more oh, dying to self to go on here. Thank mm-hmm. you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. So I don't know, that is that something that you typically are recommending or is that something that
1: yeah lately even in like especially in homilies i talk about like we've got to make it the choice and the act of the will you know to proceed in our faith and if i'm just going to be dictated by the winds of the uh, you know the winds of passion or the appetites as you called it then who knows where i'm going to end up um if a if a sh- ship in the 1700s that just depending on sails, we're going to rely solely on where the wind is going to take them they'll never be able to get anywhere you need you need a rudder. You need all the, the pulleys and the ropes to control all of that and harness it in a way that gets you where you're going to go. And sometimes it's easy because you got the great tailwind going exactly where you're going. And sometimes it's going sideways, and you still got to f- find a way to force it, You know, make that choice in the act of the will to go where you know you need to go or else you're just going to capsize or just go adrift or whatever. Um, so, yeah, in the spiritual realm, I have to make that choice in the act of the will. For me, where i got to start is if I recognize, if I'm sensitive to something's off, I'll even stop myself, or I'll even like I'll tell the parish staff if I'm at the office. Like I just need to go to the church and pray, and away I go. And I'll just ask the Lord, something's off here. What is going on? And in you know, without fail, I'll I'll be able to kind of discern that and discover that. And then um, and then just the discovery, or kind of like what I also sometimes call it, just naming the demon. Like I've named the origin of where this attitude comes from, or what my what's off in me. That knowledge can bring me back to a place of peace. And in that place of peace, now I can find joy. I can find rest in the Lord. And I'm more inclined to be to be desiring of other other centered. So I'm I want to now pray for others. I want to go out and, and serve others. But I do have to check myself first and be like, something's off here. And the Lord, you know, will help me to see that and bring healing to that. But I, I literally do that. I'll stop what I'm doing. You know, it doesn't happen every day, but I would say a couple times a month, I just have to do that.
0: Well, you know, one of the gifts that you have in doing that is that you're in charge, right? <laughs> so you can say, uh, "I'm stopping," and I'm going to go to the church. So you're here at a church where the blessed sacrament is, and you can go and, right. as the boss, they're not going to say, "Ah, sorry, Father, you've got to stay in the meeting. You can't go anywhere." <laughs> yeah. So that's a gift. Yeah, I say that because, like, every morning, okay, I get up, I've got to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Am I going to st- take prayer time first am I gonna give my first time to the Lord and be quiet and be still and do my prayers and um, or like today I didn't get up first because mm-hmm. remember I got that lingering sickness right. so I haven't had as much energy so I haven't set my alarm clock you know f- in, in order to get up and and pra- you know protect that time mm-hmm. well sure enough carries up <laughs> and uh, and it's like oh let's get practical. We'd, let's organize our time here. And uh, that was just a mistake, because I didn't have to do that, because she was taking prayer time. Mm-hmm. And I decided to disrupt her prayer time, and let's talk about, oh, what are the three things we're going to get done today, and, and how easy it is to then lose what ought to be protected. Mm-hmm. So it's th- the, in the name of getting practical stuff done, it's easy to lose sight of well, that which is going to provide the the guidance and the strength to do what God wants us to do in the way God wants us to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's a. Yeah, uh, you need to do that on our behalf, Father. You need <laughs> because God best. has given you that uh, that space yeah. to be able to take so did I just rationalize my, my behavior? Did I just do that? This is this is kind of a confession here.
1: <laughs> if you start the day off right, then that's the key, right? <laughs> you I, I don't think have to that, rationalize anything, you know? <laughs> Well there you go.
0: I think that well and, and, and sometimes that's what it takes, right? right. It's if uh, if if folks you're listening to this, it's like, okay, When I don't do it, I realize what I lose. Mm -hmm. But if I've never done it, then I don't realize what I could gain. Right. So my encouragement to you folks is if you have a different kind of schedule during this week of the year, during this octave of Christmas, just because a lot of folks have um, more freedom from work, Mm -hmm. but they don't have the same work schedule, and that's a blessing. Yeah. Uh, And I know it's a little more complicated because that means if you've got family, Kids are home from school and families around, but make the extra effort to still get up early mm-hmm. or make the effort for the first time mm-hmm. to get up early and to pray. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if some folks are listening and they're like, yeah, that sounds good, but what do I do? Uh-huh. What would you recommend for folks who maybe have never gotten up early, it's still dark out, mm-hmm. and they are like, well, okay, I got up and I'm sitting here, and what do I? where do I sit? What do I do?
1: Right, yeah. Um, well, I think what, what we do, I I would stress is, is very secondary to secondary to just the fact of doing it. It's I I don't know what to do to exercise. We'll just get out and take a walk to start. Now for folks that may, um, uh, may be doing this for the first time, I'm going to set the alarm, you know, 15 minutes early or whatever, and just take that time for prayer. Okay. So you're waking up, you're tired and you're starting something new, I wouldn't trust myself in those circumstances to just like expect to sit down in a chair facing a crucifix and s- suddenly start levitating because I'm meditating upon the higher mysteries of faith. That doesn't
0: happen until day two or three. Yeah, two or three, exactly, but not
1: day one. (laughs) St. Teresa of Avila, a doctor of the church, keep in mind, said, I don't trust myself to go into any time of prayer without a spiritual reading in my hand. And that's not to say she always relied on it, but she had it in case she didn't rely on it. So there's great publications with reflections um, printed for us, along with scripture readings like the Magnificat or... um, um, the word among us, these kinds of things. Or just take up the Bible even, blow the dust off the Bible if you can find it. And we're in the Christmas octave, so look at one of the Christmas stories at the beginning of Matthew or Luke. And just take like, you know, five or six verses of a paragraph and 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 read it once or twice. It's bas- basic Lexio Divina. Did a word strike out to you? Why did the word strike out to you? You know, how did it speak to you? You're getting
0: way too advanced, Father. You're getting <laughs> just, way <laughs> too advanced here. Oh. Well, let's, at
1: least you can start with the reading. Something at right. hand to keep the focus. Because, I like that. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Let's 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 dial in on that for a moment. Yeah. So I'm going to say, folks, get up, uh, especially if you don't have to work. Get up at the same time, or even a little bit earlier, right? And give yourself give yourself 45 minutes. Mm. You know, let's let's go all in here. Mm-hmm. And if you need to, take a shower, get yourself ready, get a cup of coffee, get yourself ready, get yourself awake and alert. And then choose a space that's not sitting in front of the TV. Right. Right. So don't don't choose a space that is. I'm going to use a strong word, polluted, mm. polluted by experiences that are not prayerful. So maybe use a room in the house that has a religious object in it, mm. um, or one that is maybe used for like um, conversations, um, family things, things that will be less distracting or invested in other types of activities. So not the kitchen table, not the di- not not the dining room table. Unless again, this is something where you have had some like I call it a fund of experience. Yeah. That's important, mm-hmm. right? Like what what you do in a space gets invested with that experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So eventually, what that can lead to is having a a space for prayer. Mm-hmm. So we have a like where you, when you just came in, that that room is that that's my prayer spot. You can yeah. tell, right? Yeah. with all the that's where our Spoilers. sacred heart is, yeah. uh, enthronement, mm-hmm. all that. So um, and then they might have um, they might have a, an advent wreath mm-hmm. right with the candles. And so now you have the Christmas candle, mm-hmm. so you can light your Christmas candle. So that creates an environment and then maybe have some music on in the background right mm-hmm. and if music is distracting then just have instrumental mm-hmm. beautiful music not not like not like santa claus is coming to town right yeah right but maybe some uh, holy music in the background if that helps create an environment if yeah. it's distracting don't yeah and then um i find that like usccb.org is very helpful yeah. that's right? the bishop's website yeah. the bishop's conference usccb.org and they will have the daily readings that, like, they realize 99% of the traffic that goes to that website is going for the daily reading, right. which is good because they've actually invested some time to have daily reflections. Yeah. A short little video. It's only a couple minutes long mm-hmm. that'll give a reflection on the scripture, and then you can read the scripture of the day. But you mentioned, you used, you used some big words now. You used <laughs> Lexio Divina and something yeah. struck you. What are you talking about there? So right. someone... They're listening, and they're like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I've got my music on. I've got my candle lit. I've gone to the website. I've got the page. I've listened to the reflection. Now I'm going to read the first reading in the gospel uh, for the day. What do I do now?
1: Yeah. Well, Lectio Divina is the fancy Latin phrase just for divine reading. It's just praying with Scripture, not... Bible study. Well, let me understand what's going on here with all the footnotes in the scripture commentary. Like that's all good and important too, but it's a different engagement with scripture when you're praying with it. And so you you might read, you know, let's say the five verses, you know, once through, kind of get familiar with it, and just sit with it maybe thirty seconds, and then read it through again. And I think I think people might just dis- discover well, there's a like a word that just it holds my attention whatever that word is, or, or turn a phrase, or, or an image, okay? You know, you might be reading, you know, St. Luke's Gospel account. Well, why a manger? What is a, what is a manger? Why is a manger? Why did that stick out to you? I mean, whatever it is, and, and just ask yourself, because you're asking yourself anyway, why did that word stick out to me? And then ask God, God, why did that word stick out to me? Because that might be, that word or that phrase might be exactly the word which God already spoke, Word Jesus in the gospel, that might be the word or the phrase that, that's going to have an impactful meaning for you if you would just sit and ponder with that, with that whatever it was that stuck out. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and a couple of things that I like to do when I'm uh, engaging in Lexio Divina uh, is I first just say help, like uh. okay, here I am, Lord, I got nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I like this is I'm gonna get distracted, I'm gonna fall asleep, I'm gonna be thinking about my day. I don't know what to do. Just help. Mm -hmm. Help me. So like the honest prayer of a humble man, just start there, brothers Mm -hmm. and sisters. If you don't know where to begin, just say, all right, I'm listening to Tom and Father Lewis talk, and I just, I don't know what to do, Lord. Just talk to God. I'm constantly interrupting my kids. Like when we do family prayer, Mm -hmm. and I say, okay, it's your turn to pray now, they'll say well, I pray for my basketball game and the dog and everyone's get healthy. I said, no, no, talk to God. Talk to Jesus. Actually address what you're saying to God in a prayer. And then, dear Lord, I come before you and thank you. Okay, so now it's a conversational thing. Mm-hmm. And then also I'd, I like to realize I'm only here because God gave me the grace to be here. Like all prayer is a gift from God. So I like to say, Lord, you did it. I don't know how you did it but you got me here. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Now you got me here for a reason. So please, whatever that reason is, l- let it let it be so. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever you want for me in this prayer time, I am open to it. So I need help. I got nothing, but thank you for getting me here. So please now open me to receive what you are ready to give. Mm-hmm. And I find that that's a kind of a helpful kind of creating the foundation for the richer spiritual thing that you're saying. Yeah. So I, I, I'm kind of doing beginner stuff. Yeah. You're intermediate and upper level. Okay, so beginner <laughs> well, pre- level. Go ahead.
1: a you know, secret of priests, I think some, oftentimes we have to pray much that same prayer just to be struck with an inspiration for a homily to give. Um, and, That's good. Uh, it's good I to mean, be humbled like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't have – You know, if people ask, how do you come up with something every day? I'm like, well, I don't come up with anything. <laughs> I try to take it to prayer, and God gives me a word to say – and, um, and then sometimes the gospel passage for the day literally is just a list of the 12. Jesus called his apostles to himself in the name of the 12 are these, the gospel of the Lord. It's like, what do I do with that? <laughs> but sometimes, you know, inspiration strikes, even in those like list of names, you know. Nice. Yeah. I love it.
0: Well, that's Father Lewis. This is Tom Curran, and it is the Feast of St. Stephen in the Octave of Christmas. We again wish you a Merry Christmas. We're up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. All right, Father, we're back, and it's great to have you here uh, on this octave of Christmas. I wish I could say to you, how was your Christmas, even (laughs) though I know it's the day after, but we're recording this on Friday, Mm -hmm. uh, two days before Christmas. I have to admit, I saw your schedule of masses for Christmas (laughs) Eve and, and Christmas Day. You're
1: busy. Well, fortunately, I have a retired priest in residence, so he's taking two of the five masses.
0: <laughs> Even so, that's still a, you've got quite a, a schedule. Yeah. Um, I wish I could ask, hey, how many people showed up, right? But we'll find out in next week <laughs> when, we, when we have a chance to talk.
1: Yeah,
0: um, two. I've got. Uh, do you want to talk about confession, confirmation, or do you want to talk about the number thirteen?
1: Uh, I'm curious about the number 13.
0: Number 13 is related to two movies. Okay. Okay, two movies. Let's see if you can figure out what movies I'm going to talk about related to the number 13. Just on, the,
1: just on the on just, the Clue 13? Just the Clue 13. Oh, man.
0: Now, there are two movies that actually have 13 in the title.
1: Well, one, I'm going to guess, is Ocean's 13, but... <laughs>
0: wow, man, you went right down the wrong rabbit trail there. <laughs> yeah. So there's one very, oh. very recent movie involved involving the number 13 called 13 Lives. Oh, okay. And the other one is... One more chance. Uh. Come on now, what's a classic movie involving the number 13? There's only one other word in front of it. Uh, it's not Oceans. And It's
1: not Oceans 13. No, but it's a three-syllable
0: <laughs> word, Apollo.
1: Oh, Apollo 13. Come oh, on, Apollo, Apollo 13, 13. Yeah, Apollo 13, yeah. How
0: do you forget that, Father? You're, well, I haven't you're seen like that this... movie in
1: about five years, I guess, Kay. or more, but yeah. okay, yeah.
0: Now, you know what Apollo is about? Yeah. Okay, what's it about?
1: Uh, the the failed moon landing. Um, I think it was the last of the Apollo missions back in the, maybe that was in the earlier mid-70s. The movie starred Tom Hanks among other, other crew. Yeah. Uh, other cast, yeah. So and, they were
0: um, gonna go land on the moon.
1: And there's something went wrong en route and so not only could they not land on the moon, but it was it was a miracle they didn't they didn't Die in the first whatever happened to the ship, but then to everyone working around the clock to figure out a way to get them home with, with the limitations of what they had in the nothing of space.
0: It is an amazing movie. It's super inspiring. Yeah. I've used that movie in when I, as a consultant when mm-hmm. I trying to like rev up a team to have a vision and a goal. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of scenes in that movie with Ed Harris. Yeah,
1: he's right? the best character. He's my favorite character in that movie. Unbelievable! Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, what what are the scenes? Well, one is he he goes into the well. One I'm thinking of, he goes into the um, into the planning room. He goes right to the whiteboard, and there he's going to draw what the situation is on the whiteboard. And then the team of people start going back and forth about what they can do and and what they what they what, uh, what they think they ought to do, but here are the limitations for that. And he's having to direct traffic from start to finish. Yeah. And um, and then anyway, yeah, kind of goes from there. So yeah. that's one scene.
0: He says, "This is where they're going to end up, right here." And He draws a line. Yeah. And He said, "And this is where we've got to get them. Yeah. We've got to get them from here to there. Yeah. And otherwise, they're going to die right here. Yeah. And we've got to get them this long extra route right. back home after they slingshot around the, uh, the around the moon. Yeah. And uh, and and his whole thing is this is that." You know, we've never lost a man, and we're not going to let lose a man. Now, failure is not an option, yeah. not on my watch, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's just so like, boom, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Find a way. Get it done. And then the, the powerful scene of, um, okay, they've got to preserve power, and they've got to filter out the CO2. Right. Do you remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they come back into that room. And They, they got this
1: convoluted the, thing. Yeah, here they empty out the box with this is what they this is all that they literally have on the spaceship. We got to figure out how to make an air filter out of out of a sock, out of a tube of duct tape, all these things. Yep.
0: we've got to make we got to literally fare a square peg, which and is it. the the CO two filter into a round hole, which is the filter in the in the lem versus in the rocket, whatever right. the main. And then, so we got to turn this into this, and this is what we have. Yeah. Go, yeah. Right? Do it now. Mm-hmm. And then you have the the startup sequence of mm-hmm. power, right? Yeah. In the, in the I don't know if it's in the LEM or in the, the Lander. Yeah, I can remember. Whatever, what means, whatever yeah. the names of these things are. Um But they've got to somehow turn on power in a way that keeps it below 20 amps. Whatever, yeah, whatever you know, it is. Some yeah. tiny, tiny amount of power like it turns on a coffee maker. Yeah.
1: Right?
0: <laughs> and they keep at it and they keep at it and mm-hmm. they keep at it and they keep at it and they finally find a way. Mm-hmm. To do it Mm -hmm. and it's uh it it, for me what's so striking about that is that you have literally like thousands of guys thousands of people investing every bit of their ingenuity and 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 thoughtfulness and and hard work and effort to save three men yeah to save three guys Mm -hmm. so then we go to the movie 13 lives Okay. So do you know what 13 Lives is about? No, I haven't heard of this one. So it's about a, a, a soccer team in Thailand, a little group oh, of kids. Oh, I know the,
1: yeah, the historical so- story. Yeah, the kids, and they all get trapped in a cavern or something.
0: Yeah, so they yeah. go, like, after their soccer game, they say, oh, let's go ride and let's go into the cave. So they mm-hmm. go into the cave, and then all of a sudden there's a flash storm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a stormy season, but it's before the stormy season hits, it, this comes early. and And it floods so much that it floods... Their exit, mm-hmm. so they're stuck. But they don't know, they don't, they can't communicate out. But they find the bikes. They know that they're in the cave. And now the question is, how do we get them out of the cave? Yeah. And it takes them, I don't know, like fifteen days. Yeah. Um, and it again involves like like almost the whole world, mm-hmm. sending the best of the best, trying to come up with ways to say, how do we first of all, divert the water that's hitting a mountain mm-hmm. from getting into the mountain to continue to flood the cave? Mm-hmm. How do we pump water out of the cave? And then how do we get divers to go seven hours underwater through the tiny little maneuvering of a cave? And they were like cave divers. Mm-hmm. there are cave rescuers that came from England. And they finally made it to the boys Right, these thirteen boys plus the uh, coach. Mm-hmm. Oh no, twelve boys and the coach. And the the movie just unfolds the different things they have to do to get the boys out. And ultimately, do you know how they get the boys out? No. They have one of the rescue team that they fly in from England. Like these guys, are like leaders in the whole world. They get to where the boys are, and then they anesthetize them. Whoa. Yeah, they they knock them out. And then they, like, just basically as limp bodies, drag them through six, seven hours of underwater handoff. Wow. To get them through the cave out to be rescued. Wow. Can you know imagine that. that? I didn't know they did that. One at a time. Yeah, and it's never been done before. Wow. And the doctor that was there like, "Okay, we need you to do this." He just happens to be like one of the lead cave rescuers in the world and an anesthesiologist. <laughs> right? And they have to along the way every member of the team has to know how to recognize the boys waking up and then give him another shot underwater during the Every 30 minutes, they've got to give them another shot wow. to keep them asleep enough, but also not put their lives in danger. Right. All of this stuff. Wow. Right? <laughs> While you're navigating these narrowest of little terrains and water's coming in uh-huh. and there's currents and torrents. And wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they saved all 13 yeah. lives. Two rescuers died
1: two rescuers died two oh, rescuers no, I died
0: know. one one was part of like the navy seal team of thailand
1: Okay.
0: who wasn't like you can be really good at swimming underwater but it's a very distinct thing i guess to be able to swim in the terrain of a cave okay so you carry your uh oxygen differently and there's certain okay. swim techniques that are different and all this other stuff and um, they were reluctant to let these rescuers who say you 're the experts do this when they wanted to rescue their own people, yeah. unfortunately, they uh, lost a, one of their men wow. uh, and then a second guy died afterwards from some um infection he got oh, okay. while while traveling uh, wow. while t- doing the rescue. but again, you have like thousands of people mm-hmm. putting all of their efforts to rescue these thirteen lives, yeah and And you stop and think like this is this speaks to the preciousness of human life mm-hmm. and in what extraordinary lengths we'll go to mm-hmm. when it becomes plain and when it becomes obvious, wait a minute, look what's at stake, mm-hmm. and when there's a lot at stake, what are you willing to do mm-hmm. Well, this has a little bit to do with Christmas. <laughs> Gee, Jesus coming on a rescue mission. I'll let you pick it up from there, Father. How do you <laughs> see? Christmas and the Christmas season as a point for us to reflect on the love of God for us and our need for rescue.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, God's rescue plan, I wonder, you know, you mentioned thousands of people have contributed to the to the rescue of those 13 lives, but also how much time and ingenuity, but time they had to put into constructing a rescue plan, like the Apollo 13 plot as well. And God invested thousands of years of time to align things that needed to happen just so for the coming of the Messiah, and how many people had a part to play in all of that, even if I think it's in the letter to the Hebrews, all of these patriarchs they could they could see the Messiah from af- and they saluted it from afar, but they never encountered it themselves, so they were contributing to and maybe that's like the guys who are at the head of the cave you know at the at the at the cavern where the where the handoff started they weren't they were still handing off the, the NSSI's bodies and they don't know if they made it to the other side. No one knows. They just got to do their part and hopefully that the, hoping that the whole chain of events will work. And so Abraham had to do his part and so on down the line, all the way up to John the Baptist had to do his part. And John the Baptist died before he could see if Jesus fulfilled everything because he was beheaded and then jesus was crucified so that's one aspect of the the length of time and planning and then there's another instance of all of these characters that had a a part to play in the rescue mission and they didn't know um the fullness of the mission and they but they can only salute it from afar as the letter to hebrew says
0: yeah well it's uh it's a powerful thing to think and so i encourage you folks first of all watch those two movies uh I mean, there might be a couple of slightest little like parts that are inappropriate, but really very inspiring movies, mm-hmm. both of them. And it just talks about the willingness to make heroic efforts to save a human life. And for us to stop and ponder and say, we've been given the incredible gift of faith mm-hmm. that has been handed down to us as an incredible inheritance. And Christ's birth is more than just Christmas and Santa Claus and presents. Mm-hmm. No, it's letting Jesus come to birth in our lives, in our families' lives, in a way that helps us realize, wait a minute, we are the objects of God's love that he is intended to rescue us. But then he also wants to employ us as part of his rescue team. Yeah, yeah. You know, to, to rescue others. Mm-hmm. Well, Father, we're up against a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about, well, confession and life goals. Okay. okay. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Now, Father, we just, I just mentioned those two movies, Apollo 13 and uh, 13 Lives. Uh, I'll give you a one chance here to oh, wow. <laughs> it's fa- a lot of family activities going on in this week and all that and one of the biggest time wasters is looking for a movie
1: Uh huh. what a
0: waste <laughs> and Carrie gets so frustrated when we're just scrolling through what's on what's on what's available now what's a instead of just go online look up the best highest rated this or that and just save yourself time pick that one and then go Yeah. instead of guessing Yeah. okay So I'm going to put you on the spot here. (laughs) Families are looking for a good family movie, not a time waster. So what's a good movie to give folks a, not more than even just a feel good, but something that will inspire, uplift, um, you know, give that sense of like Apollo 13. You're Mm -hmm. on a mission. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you you have a couple of movies that that are sort of go-tos for you, even if we've seen them before?
1: Um, Well, I guess I'm in the mode of in my mind of christmas but um you know i think uh the 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 ultimate christmas film for me is it's a wonderful life which is interesting because precious little that actually takes place at christmas but the climactic scene of course does but um i like that movie a lot because um uh the main character i mean he he's got designs for his life what he wants to do go george bailey and it his plans are frustrated like every step of the way but why it's frustrated is because, you know, well, this situation needs me or this situation you know, needs me or I, I can do something to help this situation. And, uh, you know, just when they had the money saved up for their own, like finally they're going to go on an adventure together. Well, the um, Black Friday happens uh, in 1929, the, the economic collapse and there, there's a run on the bank. So they use their own money to uh, to save the bank and um so that was the latest crisis you know so it's a man who had his own plans and ideas but but uh, that he thought would make him happy but the sacrifice of self uh that he couldn't see the fruits of that in fact it was eating away at him and he was frustrated and contemplating the you know the bridge jumping scene and all this but but um but then he gets to the end and he sees oh my gosh you know everything that i was able to do he, it uh, it comes at all at once like it actually did matter and it did bear fruit and um As I'm describing the plot now, it's like, I think that might be an aspect of of what will happen, please God, when we get to heaven, is that I have no idea how I've impacted the lives of those around me. But in maybe one glimpse, I'll have like my own, it's a wonderful life moment, and I'll see the impact of all these people and how one little thing I may have did has changed the course of that person's history and brought them closer to God.
0: You really did have a wonderful life, Father Lewis.
1: (laughs) That's great.
0: That is a easy, that's a, that's a that's wonderful go-to. <laughs> yeah. well, we'll pause there. We'll stop with that. Well, I mentioned uh, confirmation, then I said confession. Mm. So uh, John Luke is getting ready for confirmation, oh. and he's been asking his siblings, and then he asked me today, hey, what was your confession name? And I'm like, you mean confirmation name? All right, so Feast of St. Stephen, why is that actually quite a fitting thing to call a, a confirmation name, a confession
1: name? well yeah that's a good question i've not made that connection before I suppose I go as far as that goes but um you know what is what does confirmation do it strengthens us in the fullness of the gifts of the spirit and uh, part of that is being able to to therefore put those gifts of the spirit to work and proclaim the gospel and you know that's a we're going to, if we confess with our lips that Christ is Lord, well, that's backed up and empowered by the gifts of the Spirit. But the Spirit also helps us to enlighten, where do we stand with the Lord? And so we go to the sacrament of confession, and um, and then we receive again those baptismal graces that we have lost because we chose to sin, you know, the confessional is like a second baptism. Each time we go, it's it's being restored to those baptismal graces.
0: You took it in a different direction. I was okay. thinking, of being a confessor <laughs> of the faith. Okay. So, being when you're confirmed, you're called upon to be a yeah. confessor of the faith. And Saint Stephen, confess the faith.
1: Yeah. The ultimate confession is the his ultimate life. confession, yeah, yeah. and
0: I think that that's probably part of what is going to face my kids more. Is that being confirmed means you need to be willing to stand up and confess your faith mm-hmm. in front of others in a way that will be, um, it will cause, um, it will cause conflict, it will cause some persecution, it will cause some rejection, mm-hmm. and maybe even the ultimate confessing of faith. Yeah, um, that 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 could be the future. Yeah, I right. was talking to someone yesterday and he was saying how there was he has a a son who's in his like right around 20, early mm-hmm. uh right around that age and kids friends of his that went off to college came back and I self-identified as now transgender or bisexual and and he he called it out. He said this is not right. Mm-hmm. Hey, what you're what you're saying is uh, it's actually dangerous and harmful, and I'm going to speak to the truth in love. Mm-hmm. And he got rejected by his friend group,
1: yeah.
0: right? So these are good Catholic kids he went to school with, and all of a sudden now, they're he is now he is now isolated. Yeah, he's been cut off from them because of his taking a stand for the truth. Yeah, and so it seems like that that is that is going to be a more common future than um, maybe we experienced. Yeah. Uh, certainly, I experienced growing yeah. up, and probably you too.
1: That's a living martyrdom. I think that's increasingly on the rise of you know in the in the twenty first century West. Is you know in all likelihood, I'm not going to literally die for my faith, um, no matter how hard I may try to proclaim it, and and maybe the next generation won't either. But it's a different kind of martyrdom. You're going to be doxxed and canceled and everything else like this and rejected and um, you know, I'm I, I, a scripture passage that comes to mind is um, from John. It's the healing of the of the blind man. It's a really interesting healing because it's the the whole story is dragged out for the like the entirety of the chapter. And if you look at what happens to the man when he has that encounter with the Lord, and his life has changed forever, and they keep asking him who did this to you and all this. Well, the the leaders rejected him. You know, his friends rejected him. His own parents rejected him. He's of age. Ask him. Like they were washing their hands of him. And pretty soon, everyone. You know, they kick him out of the synagogue and he's all alone. He's been rejected and doxed and canceled. And then Jesus comes again, you know, this. You know to, to bring him that deeper healing of, I've healed you of your blindness, and now I'm bringing you deeper healing. So these things of the world will pass, our friendships and all these other things, our social status. But what's eternal is our friendship with the Lord and the graces and the gifts that come with that. That's where we've got to focus. But that's the living martyrdom that people are facing now.
0: Yeah. So it's uh, just then to end on this point, it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's going to be so important for us to have that eternal mindset, that mindset of saying, what's our true home? To give us that vision of saying, this is where we're headed. This is what we were made for, to give us that strength to be able to live now what we're called to live. Yeah. So it kind of ties back to a different level of spiritual disease, right, if sin is a spiritual disease, that also can impact culture, that can also impact the way that we're living as a society. And we might be called upon to be those who are willing to stand up for our faith in a way that can help bring cleansing to the culture. Mm -hmm. And sadly, if we look at the history of the church, that cleansing often is in the form of martyr's blood, Mm -hmm. right? It's the blood of the martyrs that is used to, if you will, Uh, remove the blockages to God's grace coming back to uh, a a people in a time. So not necessarily what we would have chosen for ourselves, but um, we don't get to choose the times in which we live. We do get to choose how we live in in those times. So, all right, Father, well, uh, we have 30 seconds left. What do you want to end with today?
1: Well, we're still in the octave of Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) Nice. Happy New Year. I like that.
0: So, uh, folks, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, join me tomorrow uh, for more Sound Insight. I'm going to be walking through some of the wonderful feast days that happen during the octave of Easter. Today is the Feast of St. Stephen the Martyr, and then we have some wonderful feasts coming up. We've got the Holy Innocents, John the Evangelist, St. Thomas Beckett. And then
1: some... And the Holy Family.
0: The Holy Family, right? The Feast of the Holy Family. Um, And so lots of wonderful feasts to enter into while you are hopefully enjoying time with your family. All right. Pray God's blessings on your day. Please join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.